You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback, Janovich hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And so caught. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I have exercised the demons. This house is clear. Okay, okay, and we are live. Thanks, everybody, for hanging tight in the room. And welcome in to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle. It's powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, how you doing tonight, brother? Doing pretty. My favorite time of the night, my favorite time of the week, and my favorite overall pod that we do, Chad. I love and I live for these mailbags, so I'm excited to dive into it tonight. How about you? Dude, today I was kind of vibing on, I was torn a little bit because I was working up a piece of uh, an article on what, you know, who the top cap casualty candidates could be for the Broncos. You know, they're, as it stands right now, the Denver Broncos have about $63 million and change in available cap space going into free agency. Now we've thrown out numbers like 70 million fans have heard 80 million in order to get, to get to those levels, the Broncos are going to have to make some cuts. So I was looking at it. Obviously we know Joe Flacco's prime candidate, number one, followed by Ron Leary, but then you start kind of getting into a little bit dicier territory where I'm not sure which, which way they'll go or if they'll go this direction. I got Jeff Hireman listed. He's going to count for 4 million on the cap. If they, if they cut him, he'll save for four, uh, save him four million. That is, and Bye-bye. Zach five million if they cut Todd Davis. But all in, if they cut all four guys, and I'm not necessarily advocating that they do that, but if they were to cut Joe Flacco, Ron Leary, Jeff Hireman, and Todd Davis, it would free up another twenty seven million on the cap. I would gladly take that, Chad. That's the difference between getting a marquee free agent like Chris Jones and losing out on the guy because you prioritize money elsewhere. I mean, all those guys, Flacco being number one, like Larry said in the comments, was just absolutely true. That's a no-brainer. To me, all of them are no-brainers. Leary, I would maybe consider Todd Davis because he had a resurgent season under Vic Fangio, still a great two-down linebacker, but you can easily replace him, and I would take the money over having Todd Davis. So if in my mind, Elway, those should be the first orders of business this offseason, Chad. You know, I'm kind of torn on <clears throat> on both Hireman and Davis, more so with Davis. Hireman, the problem is, you know, he's he was I think he's scheduled to be the 21st highest paid tight end in the NFL. And that doesn't sound like that big of a deal. But when you factor in that there's about four tight ends per team on 32 teams and you realize his four million dollars he's going to make in 2020, that puts him at 21st highest. And he only caught 14 passes mm. last year all season long. 
you start getting to, you know, it's a lopsided value. It's not, it's not a value for the team anymore. However, he is the one guy that as of right now, what you could count on is he can play in line and he, you know, in other words, he can block and then he can get out there and catch a pass, even though he's nowhere close to being the dynamic impact player that a Noah Fant is. But see, I'd be okay with cutting loose Jeff Hireman because Noah Fant showed in his rookie season, not only that he's a capable pass catching weapon, an F tight end, if you will, move tight end, but also that he's, even though he's still rough around the edges with his blocking technique, Zach, he's 100% willing to learn that aspect to become a, a complete tight end. Like he attacked that, I think, and came a long way compared to what his perceived bio was going into the draft, that he's just a receiver only, you know, his blocking acumen is is not so hot he came a long way on that kind of like drew lock with his footwork you know there's not many players that we disagree on chad but i feel like jeff hireman is one i wouldn't pay the guy four hundred thousand dollars let alone four million dollars what does he bring to this team he's rarely on the field he hasn't lived up to his draft status they have noah fant they have uh beck they have austin fort coming back from an acl they even have uh troy fumagalli and jake butt they have enough tight ends now Four million dollars. That's a lot of money. You can put that toward Shelby Harris. You can put it toward Derek Wolf, Justin Simmons, Chris Harris Jr. That's a big chunk of change for a guy that doesn't contribute to this offense. So to me, that's a no brainer. Let Hireman go and, and go on with the rest of the tight ends in the room. Oh man, it's it's a tough decision, but you know, I'll be surprised. I said this in the article. And if you guys haven't checked it out, go read the article at milehighhuddle.com. I'll be surprised if the Broncos end up moving on from Hireman. Because he is an L.Y. guy, you know he is a former third-round pick. I mean, Virgil Green got a second contract, and he was a seventh-round pick. Good point. Ironman, you know, he only played three of his four years off his rookie contract because he suffered that torn ACL as a rookie, and he missed significant time in each season, at least two games or more in each year. In fact, all five years of his his NFL experience, he's missed at least two games to injury, and that's another reason why you could think, well, maybe the Broncos would be better off doing something else, but. It's Todd Davis, Zach, that's, that's to me is the biggest, like, of the four names I listed. And by the way, everybody else on that list that's in the top 20 on the Broncos salary cap, they're either players that are were drafted in the last three years or free agents that were signed in the last couple of years that the team can't get out from under quite yet. Literally, besides Flacco, Davis, Leary, and uh, Hireman, there's Vaughn Miller, and then there's Brandon McManus. Now, Miller, you could maybe look at restructuring. I don't think you're going to ask him to take a pay cut because I think the team views 2019, if anything, kind of as the down year, but more of like an anomaly, like an outlier. And McManus, you know, I've had my criticisms for McManus, like the throwing of the helmet and badgering his head coach to kick a 60-something long, you know, field goal, but they're, they don't grow on trees, kickers. Right. It's it, what we've seen in the NFL the last season or so is that hard, reliable, consistent kickers are very difficult to find. In Dallas, they had a kicker who was good last year. He missed 10 kicks this year. They finally cut him for Kai Forbath, another journeyman. So McManus, he might have his struggles. He might go through inconsistent spells. He might have an attitude problem, but he's still a pretty above average kicker, especially in Denver. So I would look for him to come back, Chad. We'll uh, continue talking about this topic as we get into today's podcast, but of course, today is all about the Mile High Mailbag because Zach and I are your football priests. Each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions, and we're going to dive into them. But first, just a couple of quick reminders, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That is simply the best way for you 
to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a creative review on the show. And if you like what Zach and I are doing, leave us a five-star rating. Our friend Ariel, uh, that Bronco guy, that Bronco dude, I think, on Twitter. But uh, you guys see him in the comment stream here. He's one of our Super Chat studs. Tweeted to me today that he left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And that's what we're talking about. That goes a long way. Supports the show organically. And that also enters a guy like Ariel or any one of you who who review the show into our monthly giveaway where we give away a hat or a shirt, randomly select a couple of names out of the hat and send it on out there. So take care of that business. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's uh, welcome in everybody We've got a lot of a lot of uh, activity in the comment stream. This is exciting here. Let me uh, welcome in Ryan, Travis, Stu, Bucking Bronco, Lavar, Joel, Anthony, all you guys who've been hanging out with us. Stu, love you, bro. Jumps in with a fifteen dollar donation you, as Stu. always, dude. You are you are single handedly keeping this thing afloat. <laughs> the this best, podcast, we love you. Um, let me see here. I'm skipping over some guys. Give me one sec here, Jason. Jumps in $10 donation on Super Chat. Thank you, Jason. He says, we need another top tight end. I think Deshaun Hamilton will have a breakout year as a wide receiver. Here's something to consider, Zach. I know this is a topic of debate, especially between you and I, but what if Jake Butt emerges mm-hmm. in his contract year <laughs> to be that, as Jason says, other top tight end? 
I mean, it could happen, Chad, but based on the history, it's not likely to happen with Jake Butt. I just think he was shot from the second injury, and the third one just kind of totally derailed his career. I'd be shocked if he contributed anything to this offense, but there's always that hope. There's always that possibility he'll come back healthy and maybe a little resurgent. It would be his last year of his contract, would it not? Four-year deal, yep, 2017. Right. So he has some incentive to perform this year, but you just can't count on Jake Butt at all to make any sort of meaningful contribution. I agree that you can't count on him. And by the way, thank you. Big Daddy Kane jumps in. $10 donation. Football priest. I agree that you cannot count on Jake. But but here's what I'll say is, you know, the injury bug, it is what it is. We know his his injury jacket is extensive. He's appeared in exactly, I think, three games now as a Bronco, and he's entering a contract year's fourth season. But – Let's not forget also, though, Zach, he was projected to be an early day two tight end in the draft before he suffered that that knee, uh, that tear to his ACL, I think, and MCL, but at least his ACL in Michigan's bowl game, literally right before he was about to hit the pre-draft trail. It was, it was tragic, but he has some real talent and ability. And even those three games that we saw last year, week one through week three, you know, he showed some ability there as a, as a move tight end, as a guy who can catch passes over the middle. The Broncos originally envisioned him as being their tight end of the future. They had to kind of re-examine that, reset their priorities, and make him more of a, if he turns out it's a bonus instead of planning on him type thing. But, man, I get excited thinking about the notion, even though I agree with you, you can't count on it. I get excited about the notion of seeing both Noah Fant and Jake Butt out on the field together at some point, hopefully. On paper, that's a great tandem. And like you said, Chad, the Broncos got a steal in Jake Butt where they drafted him. He was a second, third round talent. But you're talking about what we saw in those three games. That was before his third injury. So are we getting that type of player? What are we getting from Jake Butt? Can he contribute? Can he run? Can he stay healthy? I happen to believe they used a tight end pick in the first round last year because they don't think they're going to get any contribution from Bud or, or starting contribution from Hireman. I think anything you get, even one reception from Bud this year, even if, he, if he's healthy enough to play even, would be a bonus. I'm more of the opinion you have no offense as your tight end one. If you want to supplement the position, go get an Austin Hooper. Go get an Eric Ebron, a pure pass catcher. There's other tight ends out there. Draft one, but don't rely on a guy coming back from three ACL injuries. It's unprecedented, Chad. I don't see him coming back from it. Yeah, the odds are slim that he's going to turn out to be anything for the Broncos, but never say never. You know, he's going into his fourth season in the Broncos manger with the medical staff. Hopefully, you know, he the bad luck is over and the bad juju is behind him, and we'll see. Only time will tell. It's still really early in the year. Yeah. We'll see how that shakes out. And by the way, one guy that, and for those of you who are listening to the podcast on the RSS feed, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to the show, iHeart, Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler talked a lot about uh, Andrew Beck today. And basically, well, maybe not today. It was day, yesterday's pod or this morning's pod. I don't know. I can't remember. I get, I get turned around sometimes with these pods every week. But they talked about how Andrew Beck was one of Nick Kendall's highest stock up in terms of risers and fallers coming out of the 2019 season. Andrew Beck, especially after Andy Janovich suffered that injury, and I would say like in the final four or five games when Locke was inserted and the offense started to have a more dynamic attack, he really emerged as an athletic or athletic uh, playmaking impact guy. He's small, small returns, smaller impact, but he's a guy I could see really turning a corner in his second year in Denver as well. Yeah, he's a guy probably never going to be a starter, but a good Matt Lacoste type, a good backup number two to have. And I'd rather roll with him 
then gamble on a guy like Jake Butt coming back from three injuries. So the Broncos have some young tight ends in the system, Chad. Fortunately, they're not relying on Butt to come back. They have Fant, they have Fumagalli, they have Austin Fort, and now they have Andrew Beck. So they're in a pretty good position where they don't have to reach for need or draft for need this offseason. Joel's question is, for today, it would be about what I heard today on Zach and Stokely on the fan radio. If Tua drops to 15, would you want Elway to draft him and have two quarterbacks in case Drew doesn't work out? The word is Drew might be another Trevor. Well, Joel, I'm not sure where you're getting the word. Word from who? (laughs) I mean, first and foremost, Trevor Simeon, look, he – He has some uh, distinguishing records as a Broncos starter because you got to remember he his first year as a starter in 2016 was literally basically take Peyton Manning out of the equation, insert Trevor Simeon. It was a Super Bowl champion roster that he stepped onto, so it's no wonder that he he won eight games, you know, as as a first time starter in 2016. But then the chickens came home to roost, and you saw all those physical limitations that Simeon had. Very smart player. I mean, easily beat Paxton Lynch out, you know, what was it, two or three summers in a row, two summers in a row. But he didn't have anywhere close, Zach, to the physical traits and school skill set and elite arm talent that a Drew Locke has. That's just on the tangible side. Intangibles, did you ever hear any teammates? I mean, you'd catch the occasional compliment when they were asked about it directly, but did you ever hear anything like the way the Broncos locker room unprompted when if they're in front of a mic and they get asked anything that as it relates to team implications, Drew Locke's name comes out time after time after time after time, and it's across the board from the young guys to the veterans. And at this stage, especially being four and one as a starter as a rookie on a team that you know had only won what was it three games when he yeah. took over, I mean I I don't even know how anyone could say at this stage that he might be another Trevor. Nothing but love for Trevor Simeon. He was a really good placeholder starter. I think he really overachieved. Great guy, great locker room presence, but we're talking about the fan here. This is the same station, I bring this up every time, that tried to create drama in a quarterback competition two summers in a row with Simeon and Lynch. Team Paxson versus Team Trevor. To suggest they're going for Tua... To me, it's like a ratings grab. They're just doing it to rile up the fan base. It's not going to happen. Even if they didn't have Drew Locke, I don't cons- I don't think Elway would gamble on an injury, uh, not injury prone, but a guy coming off a major hip injury like Tua. So now that they have Locke, he won four games. He went four and one. I don't understand where these narratives are coming from, Chad. Either from Joel Clad or 104 point through the fan. Why would you throw poo-poo Drew Locke, he went 4-1. and one. He's the face of the franchise. Like you said, the team is rallying around him. Why would you invest a first-round pick and put yourself right back to where you were in 2016-2017 with these unnecessary quarterback competitions, these distractions, these headlines? You finally have the guy rally around the guy. Any suggestion otherwise, like Remington said, the fan is awful. That's what they're known to be. I don't want to, you know, crap on them. They, they, they serve some good purpose, some good content, but this is ridiculous. This is inane to suggest that, Chad. Ben jumps in with a question. He says, because free agency comes first, how do you think the Broncos moves this off season will affect how they go into the draft? Well, Ben, the philosophy of every front office in the NFL is that free agency is there to fill immediate and obvious roster holes, whereas draft, even though you're still kind of building your board around need, it's more about just stocking the roster with the best player available when you go on the clock. So ostensibly what that means, translation is, for the Broncos, they're going to use that cap space in March to re-sign a few guys and then fill their biggest roster needs as best they can. That includes 
you know, don't be surprised if they spend money at corner, whether that's bringing back a Chris Harris Jr. or goes, going and signing a Logan Ryan or Bradbury or whoever it ends up being. Offensive line, you know, Ronald Leary's probably, as we talked about earlier, Zach, going to be a, a cap casualty. There are some options out there, including Joe Thune from um, New England and also Brandon Scherf, who's got some injury concerns. You know, the Broncos are going to try and fill those roster holes so that when they get to the draft, they're not going to be as they, they can withstand the temptation to reach and they can try and stay disciplined to their board. Yeah, that's how LA operates. And I think a bulk of their cap dollars or a majority of it will go to re signing their own players like Simmons, Wolf, Shelby Harris, you know, go down the list here. Then they're going to supplement those signings with outside additions. But I think the biggest needs wide receiver two, cornerback, offensive line, that will be taken care of in the draft. This question is kind of hard to answer in, in, you know, January 9th, but I think. The main need this offseason is helping Drew Locke out, either offensive line or wide receiver, and I think they will look to the draft for those positions. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Duke jumps in with a $20 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate Appreciate you, Duke. It's good to see you. He says, been listening to the podcast, but this is my third time listening live. Great work, Zach and Chad. Well, appreciate you you very much, Duke. We'll look for any of your questions and comments in the the stream here. Elias wants to know, how is Butts Health now? It's kind of been all quiet on the on the Western front. He kind of disappeared into the, you know, the background, the tapestry of the team because they put him on injured reserve. And so all accounts that I've heard so far, though, is there haven't been any reports of setbacks. Zach, we haven't heard anything, yeah. which is good news as far as Butts concerned, because there have been at various stages in his three knee surgeries where he has had a setback. It usually doesn't come until he hits the field and starts working that knee. <laughs> Yeah. Like the Broncos this this year, I mean, they really slow rolled it and waited till the 11th hour in the summer before finally getting him out there on the field, and it just immediately flared up on him. We haven't heard anything like that up to this point. I think I read last month, it might, it might have been the Denver Post who reported it. He said he was actually, I don't want to use the word ahead of schedule or that term, but he was running and he was uh, no setbacks and he was actually raring to get back on the field. So barring any setbacks, he should participate in training camp in the offseason program. But like Chad just said, I mean, how long is that going to last? How long can we count on the guy to stay healthy before he suffers another injury? I don't want it to happen, you know, knock on wood, but that's his history. And judging by history, it probably will happen again, unfortunately. Let me see here. I'm pulling up the uh, 2020 NFL free agent trackers on spot track for this next question here. Bobby says, what defensive backs are going to be free agents if we lose Chris Harris Jr.? Do we bring back Tlaib? First of all, Tlaib is going to end up in in the ring of fame, and he barely fit in the requirements in terms of four years. You need four years minimum as a player to qualify for the ring of fame considerations. He'll eventually come back to Denver. And it wouldn't surprise me if he retires as a Bronco. But coming back at this age, what is he now, Zach, 32? I think he's turning 33 this year, if I'm not mistaken. Old. I mean, bring him back on a vet minimum, but, you know, that's that's hurting my pride. Not going to happen. So let's take a quick look, and and, uh, we'll examine this here. 
here's here's your options. Let me let me do a share screen real quick so you guys can see what we're seeing. So here's cornerbacks, guys. Here's what you're looking at for free agency this year. Aside from Chris Harris, who tops spot tracks list, you got Jimmy Smith. You'll notice over here he's 32. Great, he's been a great player for Baltimore, but he's 32. Logan Ryan is interesting to me. He'll be 29. Bradley Roby, Pass. of course, been there, done that. Keep Talib, 34. Pass. Yeah, 34. Way too old. Been there, done that. Ronald Darby, interesting. Has, he's 26. He's interesting. Brandon Cars, 34. Mm-hmm. Tremont Williams, 37. Nah. Jonathan Joseph, nah. Darquez Denard, if you could get him on a on a contract that is reasonable because he kind of never really repaid his his draft pedigree as a former first-round pick in Cincy, but I could see him excelling in a Vic Fangio defense. Eli Apple is 25. Jason Verrett's 29, but he's an injury case. Ross Cockrell, Trey Waynes. Um, where's Bradbury, dude? And where's Byron Jones? Maybe must have him listed as let's go to safety. Let's check it. Well, let's just go secondary and see what it does. Bear with us, guys. It's weird. But yeah, there's Byron Jones, and it's still not showing him. It still just wants to show corners. So let me just try one last thing here. Let's jump to safeties. Even though the Broncos don't need safety help, sometimes these websites classify players oddly. Let's just take a quick look here. If this doesn't uh, render right, maybe we'll just bounce out here. But, yeah, it's still not showing Byron Jones, dude. That's really that's, bizarre. That's really weird, yeah. But, yeah, and I'm not seeing uh, Bradbury either. So, anyway, there are some options there. My top my top uh, candidates for free agent corners, it's probably Logan Ryan and Bradbury if the Broncos are not able to bring back Chris Harris. Yeah, Byron Jones is going to be too expensive for the Broncos. And uh, Ronald Darby's interesting. He's pretty young. He has some upside in a, in a man-press system. And also a Cowboys player I'll throw out is Anthony Brown, a young ascending slot cornerback and play all over the field. If the Broncos want to go for youth, uh, they can do that in the middle of the pack, signing a clearance section signing. But this is an, a position like I was talking about, Chad. I think the Broncos will ad- address fairly high in the draft this year, first, second, or third round. So not a lot of talent on the cornerback market if they want to not bring back Chris Harris Jr., Longtime listener of the show, Eclipse Stormborn, reached out to me earlier today on Twitter, and he has a question for the mailbag. He says, Locke is the unquestioned starter. Flacco's out. Do the Broncos bring in a free agent like Jacoby Brissett to boost the backup quarterback competition? And then he goes on to say, I might miss the live pod, but if I can get on in time, I'll – oh, well, right, dude, I wonder if he's on. Have you seen a comment from Eclipse Stormborn? No, I haven't. Let's see. Hold on. Bear with – oh, dude, there he is. Eclipse, what's oh, up, my dog? Dropping five bucks. Donation, no you. <laughs> We're going to answer your question right now and then grab this other one as well. So let's get back to it. Let me just grab this real quick. So do you see the Broncos bringing in a, a free agent with some a little bit of, of cachet like a Jacoby Brissett to bolster the backup? No, I, I don't see the need for it, Chad. He doesn't have an injury history, Drew Locke, and he doesn't need the distraction of having another veteran behind him like Brissett, a starting caliber veteran. They have young quarterbacks on the roster. Brandon Allen technically is a veteran. He knows the system. He can step in as a pinch starter. We saw that. That's why I believe they're not going to sign one. I don't think they're going to draft one either. They have the young quarterbacks in the system. Roll with that. Make Locke the unquestioned guy. No more signings. No more narratives. Leave him alone. Yeah, nothing that's going to in any way, shape, or form shift the ground that Locke is standing on right now. Not that he's like, you know, needs to be treated with kit gloves or or anything like that, but just 
make sure he has the full faith and support of the organization. At this stage, you just don't want to do anything from an organizational perspective that is going to screw that up. And then right. his second question here, he says, staying on free agency, what do you guys think of Brandon Scherf from Washington? Now, Zach, I've kind of gone back and forth on the topic of Brandon Scherf. You know, he's the last two seasons, I believe now. He's finished the year on injured reserve, yep. considering that Ronald Leary, who he would ostensibly be replacing in the starting lineup, has missed at least four games in each of the three years he's been a Bronco. And, of course, considering also what happened this past season with Jawan James after getting all that money, you're leery about, <laughs> pun intended, you know, investing money and throwing Very money good. at an injury-prone free agent. But the flip side to that coin is he's an elite talent. And what free, what veteran, after playing at least a, a rookie contract that hits the open market, Zach, hasn't dealt with some level of injuries throughout their, their NFL career? So to me, it would all just come down to, to cost. And if it ends up you have to compete in terms of giving him like a max contract or a market-busting contract, then I'm out. I'm going to try and find a you know, dollars and cents way to fill that hole. He's a good player when he's on the field, Chad, but he so rarely finishes a season on the field. You can't invest more money in that. It goes just beyond Juwan James. You're going back to Jared Valdir, uh, Menelik Watson, Donald Stevenson. These are all injury-prone linemen the Broncos have signed, and they ended up injured. No more of that. Go through the draft. Develop your own prospects and build from within. Don't rely on outside additions that have an injury history, and don't waste money on them. So I'm out on Brandon Surf. If they want a guard in the draft or free agency, get someone who hasn't had an injury history who's relatively young. It can fit in the system, not just as a Band-Aid, but as a long-term solution. And there is Joe Thune from New England, the guard that has played at a Pro Bowl level for the Patriots for many, many years. Doesn't come with the same kind of injury concerns that a Brandon Scherf does. Right. And probably will end up commanding significantly less money, although it might end up being close, but probably less money anyway than Brandon Scherf. So there are going to be some other options. And Terry jumps in from Canada, our friend, with a $5 you, donation. Terry. Appreciate you. Awesome content. And chat room, as always, go Broncos. Thank you, Terry. Let's see what else we got here. Michael Jaleski. Michael, I think you and I, we, we go back and forth sometimes. I think you message me, right? You message Mile High Huddle Facebook. He says, can we cut Holding Boy, which can only mean one person. I right? wonder who that is, Chad. <laughs> can we cut Garibalds? Let me tell you what it would cost you to cut Garrett Bowles, okay, just for what it's worth. You could cut Garrett Bowles in 2020. You would have zero cap savings, and you would be on the hook for $3.5 million in dead cap, Zach. Translation, the Broncos might not pick up his fifth-year option, but he's not going anywhere in 2020. The Broncos kind of pack, back themselves into a corner by having Bowles, and again, no one else behind them. They don't have a guy who can step in as his replacement. If they did, if they had a, a guy waiting in the wings, they might cut Garrett Bowles, even though there's no monetary uh, value to that. They're not going to gain anything. But as of now, he will be on the roster. He'll probably start, but beyond that, we just don't know. Jason jumps back in with a $5 donation you, on Super Chat, and he says, off subject, sorry, but where do you see Jake Fromm landing? You know, from a picking teams perspective, it's too early to say for me, but I do think he's not going to go as high as his initial draft stock was to start the 2019 yeah. college season. I think he's going to end up falling a little bit. Part of that has to do with the log jam at the top with a guy like Joe Burrow emerging and going on a tear like he did, Tua declaring for the draft, Justin Herbert, uh, the love kid from Utah State. There are some other options there, including the depth of the wide receiver classes. And it's not just a top-heavy class at wide receiver. It is deep. Same can be said for cornerback. 
you know, there's three offensive tackles that are considered first round caliber at this stage in the pre-draft process. For all those reasons, Zach, I see Fromm ending up either going back into the first round to a team like the Patriots, possibly, who, you know, if they end up re-signing Tom Brady into like a one or two year deal or whatever, pay him his $35 million a year short term, but have a mandate to bring in a bona fide, you're the next guy. I could see a situation like that. I'm not necessarily saying he's going to the Patriots, but a situation like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I was going to say the Patriots as well, but they do have Jared Stidham, so I don't know if he wants to be the next guy taking over for Brady if he leaves. I can see uh, the Chargers bringing back uh, Phillip Rivers on a one-year deal and drafting Fromm as his successor. He's going to go to a team that's pretty much in a win-now position. He he needs to be surrounded by elite talent, I think, to blossom in the NFL. So a team like the Chargers, a team like the Patriots, maybe even the Colts, I can see Jake Fromm landing, but I don't see – I'm with Chad. I think he's a second-round prospect now. If Locke was a second-rounder last year, I think Fromm will be one this year as well glenn has a bone to pick he says to lead to the ring of fame i don't see it chad rarely do i disagree with you reuben carter on defense isn't even in yet not to mention steve watson and riley odoms as offensive guys glenn here's what i'll say if john lynch can be in the ring of fame then Aqib Talib should absolutely be in the ring of fame because it's not just that he played four years that's just the minimum qualifier it's how he distinguished himself over the four years and yeah there were some off the field things, Zach, that, that we had to cover, uh, you know, including <laughs> shooting himself in a park in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. However, times. what he accomplished, multi-year All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowl, and he made the Pro Bowl each and every year he was in Denver. And, of course, the distinct, most distinguishing factor, he helped the team win a Super Bowl. And he wasn't just a guy on a Super Bowl roster. Aqib Tlaib was one of the tips of the spear in terms of that defense just smothering and shutting down opponents. So, Tell me, am I wrong? Do you think Aqib Tlaib, you know, it'll be many years from now, but do you think Aqib Tlaib has a has a viable case for the Ring of Fame? I think based on his production, Chad, you can make a case for him, but considering the exit and the bridges that were burned between Elway and the Broncos and Aqib Tlaib, I'd be surprised if he was inducted into the Ring of Fame for a while, or even if all. I mean, they recently patched things up. Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between. You'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org. The Broncos with players like Al Wilson, they've, they've had a history of kind of neglecting their former players or former star players and kind of falling out of favor with them. If that was different, I can see it keeps Lee being in the ring of fame, but he's like not a Hall of Famer, but maybe a Hall of Very Good player. He's really, really solid, but is he better than the players that were mentioned. It, does he deserve it more than the guys that still aren't in the ring of fame? That's my question. He's, he wasn't a lifelong Bronco. He came along for a couple of seasons. He helped them win his title. Then he went on to another team, and he kind of fizzled out after that. So I, if you held a gun to my head, I would not put him in, but I would consider that in the future. I see, and that's – I absolutely would. And it's, there's two other moments that, that speak to Aqib Tlaib's legendary status as a Bronco. One of them is, of course, ripping off Michael Crabtree's tra- uh, chain twice, twice. Okay? <laughs> two times, yeah. like Debo from Friday. You guys remember that meme? <laughs> if you haven't checked it out, I'll, maybe I'll share it on uh, Twitter or something. But that and then also something that sticks in my mind indelibly, I'm sure a lot of you can remember this as well, is after the Broncos beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, which was four years ago this month, he – the, the the TV, local TV, not local, but the national TV crew that was covering the game, they had a stage set up on the sideline, and it came time. They were bringing p- different players up. When 
Akeem Talib's turn came up to the uh, to jump onto the stage, dude. He jumped up and fell down, fell backward on in front of national television, fell on his back flat. And I don't know, I I, I think of that moment, and he still got up and he was like stoked, acted like nothing <laughs> even happened, and everyone patted him on the back. But you know, I th- I would at this stage look. You know, my I look at it like this: if John Lynch can be in the hall of, or the uh, ring of fame for the Denver Broncos. I mean, he was, I I'm can't think now off the top of my head, if he made the pro bowl each year he was in Denver, but he made multi pro bowls while he was a Bronco did John Lynch. I just think Aqib Tlaib's case is even stronger. You can, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he eventually gets in. And like I said, his production would warrant him a spot in the ring of fame, but considering the fallout between Elway and the Broncos and considering how they treated their former players, I'd just be surprised if it happened in the relatively near future. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. It all comes down, Rebel. He says, ah, you guys switch sides. I don't like change. <laughs> it all comes down to which one of us gets into the stream room first. Yeah. So if it's if it's uh, whoever it's Chad first. is on the left side <laughs> of the screen. So Zach beat me there. He was the more punctual host today. So give him some, uh, some credit here. Remington uh, says, I like me some Cushionberry from LSU <laughs> on the interior OL. He's a guy that I've heard our draft guys talk about as well. There are some options for interior. I mean, you got Dalton Reisner locked in at left guard. Remains to be seen what the Broncos end up choosing to do on the offensive line. But there are three really good options in this draft, including the Wisconsin kid. Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler were talking about um, Ruiz, uh, Ruiz. What's his first name? I can't think of his first name. But there are some good options at center. You got to fill right guard. Center, it all comes down to do you bring back Connor McGovern? Right. My answer is no if he's trying to command $10 million or more. If it's a little bit more reasonable, bring him back, but he just wasn't that good. A guy like Cushenberry in Denver, I mean, that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty perfect fit there. If you know, you know. But I, I they need help all over the offensive line, Chad. And if they go for any one guard, center, tackle, they can definitely use them. I'm with you. I don't think McGovern warrants being re-signed to a $10, $12 million contract. You're probably going to cut Ronald Leary. You can't really depend on Garrett Bowles and Juwan James. So wherever they want to go in the draft, you can't have enough offensive linemen. That is the one thing we learned the last couple seasons. You can't have enough. Miss Bethany which I know that's not your real name and your real name escapes me now. It'll come back to me. You should go into YouTube and edit your handle. It says, I read your article about Laramie Tunsil having the most holding penalties. Where do you think Garrett Bowles stacks up in the league? seems like battle line is all over, especially if PFF rated Denver at number 12, which is true. Pro football focus graded the Broncos overall unit 12th, which I think is pretty fair, all things considered. And that's a credit to Mike Munchak considering the, Injury to Juwan James, the eventual injury to Ronald Leary, and the fact that you had a rookie starting at left guard and Garrett Bowles turned a corner. I've My opinion on Garrett Bowles, Zach, has, has changed quite a bit from, let's say, the first quarter of the season till now. And I think he's, he showed down the stretch in the final, you know, from the buy on, he showed that Mike Munchak, in combination with the other things Bowles has done to try and improve himself, including hiring his own personal coach to work with him off the field, off the facility and during the offseason, all those things combined, I think he's a he's a top 15, top 20 left tackle in the NFL. However, you still can't count on – you can't trust him in terms of the lapses. You need one year of him not being ranked in the top five for holding penalties. But ask Houston. I mean, Houston's going to the divisional round. Their left tackle led the league, Zach, in penalties – how big of a deal – I mean, it, it's irritating to fans and it bothers the heck out of us when we see a player get 
called for holding, especially at a prolific level. But you have to wonder how big of a deal that really is to the team because you see Tunsil, they're in the divisional round. The Broncos never made any overtures or even made it sound like they were thinking about at any point ever benching Garibald. So you got to wonder how, how big of a deal that really is to them as opposed to actual performance on the field. I think it's another player, Chad, where you and I kind of disagree on Garrett Bowles. I mean, you're talking about if he's top 20, it's still a bottom half left tackle in the NFL. Use a first round pick on the guy. So the standards are so super low with Garrett Bowles, and that's disappointing in itself. But the holding penalties, yeah, they're annoying, but you can't really, it's not a one to one with Laramie Tunsil and Garrett Bowles. There's different situations. Pro football focus is not the end all be all. The Pro Bowl is not the end all be all. Justin Simmons did not get in, whereas Von Miller did. It's it's a joke. It's a popularity contest. So I'm not judging that or exonerating. Bowls because he finished a certain rating. Like Chad said, if he can go a full season without impacting the offense, taking points off the board, and killing drives, then I will will concede on him. But until that comes around, he's always going to be a bottom half left tackle and a bust of a first round draft pick. And that's why you can't do the fifth round or fifth year option with with Garrett Bowles. In a perfect world, you'd like to be able to do that with all of your first round picks, but you need to see him play out this contract year with with fewer mental lapses when it comes to the penalty. Way fewer, yeah. And the other the other side to that, too, is if you extend his and pick up his fifth-year option, you're having to pay him top 10 tackle money for that one year, that final fifth year. And I just don't think at this stage it would be wise to do that without him showing for a full extended 16 games that the same version of him from the buy-on, we need to see that in a whole 16-game season. Jake jumps in with a $5 donation. Thank on you, Jake. Jack. Appreciate you, brother says, would you guys trade the 15th pick for more second-day picks so that we can have an epic day two and build depth all around? Jake, for me, that would strictly come down to who's on the board. Like, who are you specifically passing on to move back and stockpile, you know, second- or third-round picks? I'm not 100% opposed to it, depending on the value and what you got in return, but I think there's going to be some some big-time players who can help yeah. You know, uh, build that nest around lock that are going to be there for the taking at 15. Yeah. You know, considering Elway's draft history in the second round, you know, notwithstanding last year, I would not want the Broncos to, you know, devote a majority of their picks in the second round. I'm of the opinion they should actually trade up, Chad. If they want a Ruggs, if they want a Judy, if they want an Okuda, if they want their guy in the first round, they have the capital this year. Don't sit on your hands. Don't let the board fall you. Go get the player you want. So you asked me, I would not be in favor of the Broncos trading back. Like you said, they're probably going to have someone fall into their lap. Stay true to your board. Best player available, a guy that you can fill at need, a day one starter, go get him in the first round. Do not move back for the sake of moving back. Miller, we appreciate the kind words, brother. I mean, you guys are part of our everyday lives too. And yeah. we, 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 we don't, when we say it, we don't just say it to say it. We mean it. We look forward to these conversations with you guys and meeting up with you four nights a week. And we're serious. It sounds like we keep saying it, but we're never going to do it. We are serious that we plan on doing additional live pods like this in the off season, especially during the pre-draft process. And uh, it's coming. We assure you just bear with us. And uh, we're going to have some, some additional opportunities to hang out with you guys, you know, break down prospects, look at this guy, look at that guy with you guys in the comment stream, participating in the conversation. So that's coming sooner than later. Jason jumps back in with another $5 donation. Jason, you're the man. He says, I think with the draft collateral Elway currently has, I think he stands at pick 15 this year unless another team pays up big. Yeah. And usually that doesn't happen unless a team's trying to make a move up to grab a quarterback. That's not an absolute because trade-ups do happen and it's not for quarterback, but 
that's really the only case I could see that happen. Like if a Tua fell, the Broncos are not taking a quarterback in the first or second round this year. If a guy like Tua did fall or a Fromm sitting there, like I said, I, I see him as a back back end of the first round, early day two. But there's still a lot of pre-draft process left to go. I mean, you got the Senior Bowl, you got Shrine Game Senior Bowl, you've got Combine, you got Pro Days. There's who knows who can catapult and rise up with their draft stock. But I mean, as far as standing pat at pick 15, I think it's a pretty safe bet to assume that the Broncos will do that this year. I can only think of two times that OA traded in the no, three times, no, four times. Geez, about half the time he's traded his first round pick, whether it's moving up or because I'm thinking Paxton Lynch traded up, Shane Ray traded up, traded back with for Derek Wolf in round one back in. 2012 traded out of the first round, grabbed him in second round. And then, of course, last year with p- trading from pick 10 to pick 20. So, I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out, Zach. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he he's done it so often, especially last year he moved down in round one. I think he's going to stick to his board this year because he's going to go into the draft knowing it's probably going to be in the first round, a wide receiver offensive line. I think those are the two positions, and I think he's going to make it so he'll take care of everything else in the in the free agency in the offseason to leave him in that position. I would ultimately be surprised if he traded back in the first round. But like I said, January 9th, it's so tough to tell right now. So many things can happen. We won't even know until they're on the clock what they're going to do. Let's grab one or two more, and then we got to get out of here for tonight, you guys. From Ariel, I really hope the smoke clears when it comes to this Tom Brady coming to Denver uh, storyline. I'm tired of hearing quarterbacks coming to Denver when we all know that Locke is the guy. Honestly, the way I think it's going to resolve, Zach, I'll be stunned. When it's all said and done, I'll still be stunned if Tom Brady suits up for another NFL team besides the New England Patriots at any point in his career. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's either retirement or I think he does come back. But retirement's now not an option. I think his ego is too much, and he wants to uh, get the bad taste out of his mouth from this season. It's not coming to Denver, though. I will wager my life on that. He's not coming to Denver. He's not going to be the Broncos quarterback. We can get rid of that trope, that narrative, that notion, that theory right now. Put it to bed. It's not happening. Chris jumps in with a $10 donation you, on Super Chat. The Thank buzzer. you so much, Chris. That means Appreciate a ton. You. Let's grab one more, guys, and then we're going to wish you a good uh, a good rest of your evening. From Justin, outside of AJ at middle linebacker, Alexander Johnson, why wouldn't we be targeting that position this offseason? We really need a linebacker who can cover a tight end because we got torched each year. You know what? There were a couple lapses this year, but this was a year – If something about Fangio's scheme mitigates. This year was nowhere near as bad as years past – for the Broncos giving up huge plays consistently yeah. to the tight end. It still happened, and it's going to happen for every defense. There's going to be that occasional game where a dynamic player or a really savvy game plan, the tight end's going to end up having a big day. But this year, Fangio's coverage schemes, I think, limited that as being such a weakness for the Denver Broncos this time around. But I don't dispute, Justin, what you said. The Broncos do need linebacker help. I wrote about this today in that same Cap Casualties article when, as it applied to Todd Davis. Even if you don't cut Davis, he's in a contract year. Josie Jewell failed to grasp his starting opportunity. But, you know, let's say you did cut Davis, then he automatically becomes a starter next to Johnson. But behind those two guys, so behind Davis, Johnson, and Jewell as it stands today, so three guys, talent falls off a cliff. You do need to go back to the well. The question is, do you go out and spend money on a, on a veteran, on a free agent, or do you stock the coverage in the draft? I'm a little bit more inclined to let Fangio – uh, dictate who you grab and get them in the draft. 
And considering last year they had a bigger need, Chad, before A.J. Johnson blew up on the scene, they still didn't sign one. They still didn't draft one. They passed on Devin Bush, and they went with A.J. Johnson and Todd Davis. That says to me that Vic Fangio does not put a big onus on that position. It's a... You want to have more depth, but it's not a need. You're not going to take an inside linebacker over a wide receiver, over an offensive tackle. And let me tell you something. Once the Todd Davises and the Isaac Adams are off this roster, the tight end coverage will be a lot better. Those are the only culprits this year because, like Chad mentioned, they were better under Fangio's scheme than Vance Joseph's. Everyone remembers the Darren Wallers and the Travis Kelseys. Those are good tight ends. Those are going to kill a lot of teams. But Fangio put the clamps down, especially in the second half of the season. They need some depth for sure. They need some, some warm bodies behind A.J. Johnson and Josie Jewell. But it's definitely not a day one priority to me, Chad. DW says, gents, you need to be at the draft in Vegas this year. Mm. That's a good idea. That that that's something doable. to consider. Yeah. That's doable. That's something to, to keep in mind. We were at the draft, Mile High Huddle was last year. We sent Lance Sanderson to the draft. And so there's a there's a chance. We'll see. We'll t- we'll take that into consideration. But you guys, that has to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Thanks to each and every one of you for hanging out with us here live, our Super Chat studs. We love you. Thank you so much. And those of you who are going to be listening to this podcast after the fact, as just strictly a podcast, each and every one of you, we appreciate you. Make sure you take some time to follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. It's simply the best way to stay on top of everything that's happening with the show in real time. Another reminder to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a creative review. If you like what Zach and I are doing, leave us a five-star rating. Great way to support the show. And then, of course... Let me find this here. I do this every time. Nope. There it is. Nope. There it is. Make sure you follow my partner here, Zach Kelberman on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then stay tuned. We'll be back in the saddle Sunday, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern in the evening. We'll see what happens between now and then. Of course, you got four divisional round playoff games that are going to occur across the NFL over the weekend. So, It'll be fun to see how those shake out. And my brother, Zach, have a great weekend, dude. You as well. Return Sunday night, Chad, as usual. Amen. Oh, wait, wait. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Guys, we will talk to you Sunday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.